Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 54. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. This is your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about something in popular culture, a TV show called Mad Men, which is on AMC. Mad Men's not on anymore, but you can still watch episodes of it through various places. And I don't want to say exactly where because I'm not sure. (laughs) I think it depends on when you're listening to this. I first caught a lot of the past episodes on Netflix and then I hit a certain point while it was still being aired that uh, it wasn't available on Netflix. So I had to watch it when it came on, on AMC, but now it's not airing anymore. So you have to check your local resources. If you do want to watch Mad Men you've never watched. And if that's the case, caution, This episode is going to contain some pretty important spoilers. Um, If you haven't ever watched and you decide you want to after listening, I apologize for the spoilers, but I will say that I think it's still worth it because the way the characters are developed in this show is pretty amazing. It's quite unusual. I mean, when I first heard about Mad Men, I heard, oh, the show is all the rage, everyone's watching it, and it was really about the characters are so beautiful, the fashions and um, sets, the design of the settings where the characters are living and working are so accurate to that time period, the 50s and 60s, and the whole cultural thing of how the the characters drink alcohol at work and all of the sort of stereotypical 1950s and 1960s cultural norms that it represented. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, big deal. Like, I don't really care about that. But... I don't know, something made me decide to go ahead and start watching it anyway. And when I did, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most powerful and accurate portrayal of trauma that I've ever seen on a TV show. I've worked with people who've experienced childhood trauma now for 14 years in some way, shape or form. And I'm pretty familiar with how it can affect people. So If I came across this guy, Don Draper, the main character in my practice, I would not be surprised to learn that he has the history that they explain and um, that they show for us on Mad Men. For reference, in the last episode of Therapy Chat, episode 53, I talked about secrecy, shame, and the shadow. And I talked about how our secrets that we feel ashamed of become our shadow. The shadow is 
the unconscious parts of ourselves that are really out of our awareness, but they're kind of driving our behavior. It's patterns we reenact over and over in relationships, whether with our friends, our romantic partners, our coworkers, or ourselves. Um, you can hear all about that if you want to go back and listen to episode 53. And I was referencing a lot of the information that was shared in episode 38 by Rini Beck, who talks about her work using DreamWork and Tarot to help people get connected with their shadow parts. Then in episode 40, Lourdes Viado talked about the shadow in midlife and how it can be what's driving the bus and you're kind of in the back of the bus just along for the ride. You don't even really see what's going on and it's so much out of your conscious awareness. And then in episode 42, Carrie Nola, who is a intuitive healer and coach talked about her messages from shadow Oracle deck, which um, she did a shadow reading to talk about the energy that was present in that episode. And I found the shadow deck to be very powerful. In fact, uh, just in a couple weeks, I'm heading over to San Diego to spend some time with Carrie and a bunch of other wonderful healers. And we're going to learn more about using the shadow cards with clients because I have a deck, but I don't even feel like I'm prepared to use it yet because I think it's so powerful um, I want to get it right if I'm going to bring that out during sessions. So back to talking about Mad Men. I just really wanted to explore the character of Don Draper and how he is portrayed by the wonderful John Hamm, the actor who plays him, um, very masterfully demonstrating what an adult with childhood trauma can feel like and how they can look in terms of their interactions with their world. I think it's really interesting on many levels. It's not really just about the TV show because some people watch that show and they go, man, this guy's a jerk. And he's not really likable. He's yeah, he's handsome, but I don't even want to watch this show because he's kind of self-destructive. And that is true. But when you watch, you see how his experiences have shaped him into the person that we meet when the show begins. The next Episode episode 55 of Therapy Chat, I'm going to be interviewing Hillary Jacobs Hendel, who is a psychologist in New York City, and she was a consultant on Mad Men. She helped inform the portrayal of the characters, and she'll tell you how this all came about, but the way I see it, it's clear that a mental health professional was involved in at least, you know, kind of approving, yes, this is an accurate portrayal because 
Um, like I said, it's just such a fascinating study of how childhood trauma can affect people and really just influence the way the person feels and lives for the rest of their lives. Of course, knowing that childhood trauma can cause so much pain long term, that might be scary to hear. But the truth is, if you realize that you're the way you feel is related to childhood trauma, it's very hopeful because you can heal from the effects of childhood trauma. It's just when it's affecting you and it's not addressed, it just, it goes on and on and on. And our old way of thinking was, Hey, you know, kids don't remember the things that happened to them. Pretty much they get through it. It's over. They're resilient. They bounce back. They forget about it. They don't really get what it means. And so, you know, you just don't talk about it anymore. And then for the rest of their lives, they may be wondering, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Am I bad? You know, all these things that trauma can make you feel. And if they only knew that it was the childhood trauma, traumatic experiences, particularly relational trauma and ongoing complex or chronic trauma where it happens continuously throughout your childhood development, that it really can be so impactful. But again, it's never too late to begin healing from childhood traumatic experiences. I will go ahead and point out that I talked about the long-term effects of adverse childhood experiences and the issue of childhood abuse and how it affects people throughout the lifespan in a previous episode. So I will post a link to that episode in the show notes as well. And there's an amazing TED Talk, probably many amazing TED Talks, but one that I really love in particular was done by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. And she talks about the reason why we really should care about childhood trauma because it is a public health epidemic. It costs lives, it costs healthcare expenses, and people just are suffering needlessly physically and emotionally because they don't understand that because so many of us, including the medical profession, people are unaware that childhood trauma has long-term emotional and physical health effects. So this really is important. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend therapy notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Childhood trauma really is one of my favorite topics to talk about because no one should have to suffer traumatic experiences in childhood, but we can't undo what's already happened. What we can do is recognize the impact, take it seriously, and begin the healing process. So um, some past episodes where I've talked about this are episode 30, which was about childhood sexual abuse, episode 26, in which I interviewed Lisa Ferentz, LCSWC, who's an expert on trauma. We're talking about methods that therapists can use in helping people recover from traumatic experiences. But if you're someone who has experienced some childhood trauma, for example, being sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally neglected, witnessing domestic violence, and so many other traumatic things that can happen during childhood, because children are very vulnerable. Lisa explains how the body is the key to healing and processing trauma. And I think it's a very hopeful episode because you can understand how this really will get better with the right help. And then episode 19 is the one about the epidemic of childhood trauma in which I talk about the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study in Nadine Burke-Harris's TED Talk. I'll have all these links in the show notes so you don't have to go jot it down right now. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to talk more about Don Draper, and this is your chance. If you don't want to hear these spoilers, get out now, go watch Mad Men, and then come back after you've gotten caught up. But when the show begins, we see Don Draper, and he's a mid to late 30s, maybe early 40s, businessman working in an advertising agency, very glamorous job. He's making tons of money. He has a beautiful wife, Betty, two children. And you see that in some of the first episodes, Betty, his wife is wondering what he's thinking. She's like, who are you really? She just feels like she doesn't know him. And you get the impression that Don is a very closed off person. He seems to be closed off from close connections with his co-workers and his wife. But then he has this mistress who seems to understand him better and he is more open with her, but their relationship is just basically sex. He acts like a different person with her. And pretty soon we realize that he isn't very connected. You don't know much about his earlier years, but this guy shows up and he's like, you realize that he's like a younger brother, maybe stepbrother. They seem to have different mothers and he's trying to reconnect. And he's like, Oh my gosh, it really is you. And, um, Don's like, what do you want? Are you after money? Like, you got to go away. You know, you can't show up here. 
my life is different now. You, you got to just disappear. And his brother's so hurt. You can tell that he was like a much younger brother who really looked up to him, maybe about 20 years younger. And he ends up killing himself. And you don't really know why. And then you see Don discovers that and he's, he doesn't show any effect, but of course, of course, anyone would have a reaction when they witness someone's suicide or, you know, find someone who has died by suicide. So you're wondering, like, what is this guy? He's just so cold and uncaring. So I can see why people are like, man, this guy's a jerk. You see him drinking really heavily. He's drinking at the office which seems to be a norm among his peers. But you get the impression that his coworkers and the people who work under him respect him and admire him for his talent, but they don't really think he's a very nice person. They don't understand him. And a lot of times they think he's kind of weird. He's a workaholic. He doesn't seem too engaged with his family. He kind of treats his wife as if she's a child which may be partly cultural, but he's not treating her with respect. He's not opening up to her and her opening up to him. He's just sort of seeing as, you know, she needs to go see a psychiatrist. He doesn't show his emotions other than anger. So what we know now is that Betty is having feelings that are normal and she's expressing them. And Don is so closed off. He acts like there's something wrong with her because she's feeling upset. So we get to see a little bit more about Don's childhood experiences. And basically we learn that he grew up very poor. His father is some kind of con man or, um, someone who travels from place to place and tries to trick people into giving him money. He's physically abused. And at some point his mother is not in his life, but he ends up living in a brothel with his father and another woman who, you know, I, I'm guessing she's either, a prostitute or she's the madam who runs the brothel. And, you know, you sense that there's a lot of shame around that. And also it's a very, you know, a lot of inappropriate exposure to sexuality before one has the maturity to understand. Um, So that's, that's not a very healthy environment for a child to be thriving where they can play and learn and, be doing the tasks of childhood development that children need to master in order to move on to the next stage of development. Rather, he's kind of in survival mode. He doesn't have a real strong attachment figure. And then somewhere along when he's around maybe 10, 12, he has his first sexual experience, which is with one of the women who works in the brothel. So um, in my view, I'm not sure that this is how it was meant to be portrayed, but the way I see it, he's basically being sexually abused by a woman. He's a child and she's an adult, an older adult, like nowhere near his age, maybe in her thirties or twenties. And, um, 
So, you know, you see his innocence, but this is his first sexual relationship. People often think that when an adolescent or teenage boy is sexually abused by an adult woman, that there's no harm. And that's not true. In fact, if we look at the ways that women sexually abuse boys and adolescent males, it is seen as, you know, like a seduction, uh, a boy's fantasy come true. But it's harmful and it's a traumatic experience. It's confusing and it is experienced as a sexual abuse because there's an abuse of power. It's not an equal consensual relationship. Now, when I say it's experienced as sexual abuse, I mean it's a traumatic experience which can affect someone throughout the lifespan. I'm not telling anyone how to feel about their own experience because each person is the only one who knows how they feel about their own experiences. But oftentimes people have been through traumatic experiences that are affecting them and they don't realize that that's why they feel the way they do. So I think if we recognized more often that boys are sexually abused, not only by men, but by women too. And of course it goes without saying it's a little off topic, but it goes without saying that women can rape men too not just boys and adolescent males, but adult men can be raped by women also. So for many people who've had that experience, they don't really know how to name why they feel inadequate, why they feel a lot of shame about sex, confusion, and traumatized. So you can see one of the problems that Don has in his adult relationships is that he operates from a place of shame when it comes to sex. He doesn't really seem like he's enjoying sex that much, more like he does it compulsively and with a lot of self-loathing, in particular when he's not with his wife. So he has these other relationships that he doesn't seem to feel very good about because he's, you know, the way he's conducting himself is the way someone does who doesn't feel proud of their behavior, doesn't feel they love themselves. And these are some of the common ways that people who've been sexually abused in childhood can feel. Not everyone feels that way, but this can be a common experience for many people. So later in the show, you see that Don isn't really Don Draper, the Korean war hero, that he has the medal to prove, but actually he was a private and he was in, they experienced an attack in the war, which is of course another traumatic event. And the injuries that his, the people in his platoon or regiment experienced were so severe that he ended up 
his lieutenant, who was his commanding officer, ended up being so badly injured that they couldn't identify who he was. So he wakes up in a hospital. Don's injured too. Well, he's not Don. He has a different name. But he wakes up in the hospital, and they think he was the lieutenant. And he, at first, he goes to correct them, but then he realizes, wait a minute, the lieutenant already died, and my life is way better if I'm lieutenant, an officer who was injured in war and I can get out of this war, than it is if I'm a private. And I didn't choose this, but they made this mistake, and maybe I will go with it. So right there, he makes a moral decision that many people would be absolutely horrified by and disgusted and feel that he's really a bad person for doing that. And yet, people who have experienced traumatic things, and he, if this were a real life, he's, he's in a traumatic, he's probably in shock. He's recovering from a traumatic experience himself when he wakes up in the hospital and you know, he witnessed all of these people dying and he was in, his life was in danger and he was injured. And so he's not really in his problem solving logical state of mind. He's in a shocked, traumatized state of mind. And he makes the decision to go ahead and take that identity. So when we meet him, he has the identity of Don Draper, the lieutenant. And um, they don't really explain how he came to rise through the ranks in the advertising world. But um, he's well established as Don Draper. He's got this new identity. He's going with it. It's working for him. And meanwhile, he's kind of got like this double life. Because the only person who knows that he isn't really Don Draper is the real Don Draper's widow. Or maybe, I think it's the wife, it might be other family members. You know, not all of this is said completely explicitly. They're, they go back to the past and show you kind of out of the blue and you see like a snippet of what went on. So he's staying in touch with her and she's basically giving her blessing knowing that he's not the real Don Draper, but I don't know if he's paying her off or she's like, what's the difference? It's not going to bring him back anyway. So, you know, it doesn't hurt me any and you might as well just go and live your life. You've been through some really bad stuff, but she's also one of the only people who he can be truly real with. And she seems to be very accepting and kind to him. So, One of the things that stands out for me is how people who have experienced traumatic events sometimes make decisions and take actions that other people are like, why would they do that? That nobody should do that. Like you got to know better. How can you do that? That's morally wrong or that's just stupid or whatever. Or how would he even think he's going to get away with it? But when you have experience trauma, your prefrontal cortex where you do your problem solving and logic and planning is literally offline. Bessel van der Kolk 
shows this in the book, The Body Keeps the Score. They tested which parts of the brain are lighting up when someone is remembering traumatic events and the prefrontal cortex where we do our planning and logic and problem solving is not lit up. The part that's lit up is the fight or flight or flee. The brain stem, the most primitive part of the brain is making the decisions. So when you're operating with the primitive part of your brain, you're not making the logical decisions that people would make when they're not under duress. So that was one of the things that stood out to me about the way they portrayed this. Another is throughout the show, Mad Men, Don will be at work, he'll be at home, he'll be with one of the women that he has extramarital relationships with, and when he's not heavily drinking to numb himself, and even sometimes when he is, he'll have flashbacks. Something just happens and all of a sudden he's remembering the past. And when that happens, he's pretty much lost to the people that he's with. He goes away in his mind. He's reliving those experiences. And because he has so much secrecy and shame, he can't tell anyone. He doesn't want anyone to know that he was raised in a brothel because the people who he's hanging around with were raised in living on Park Avenue and you know, living in Connecticut, being raised with house servants and, you know, very wealthy people, having gone to Ivy League schools and really in a completely different socioeconomic class from him. So he's pretending. And if he were to say, I grew up in a brothel, I don't remember my mom. Um, you know, my dad was a con artist he wouldn't belong. He wouldn't fit in. And basically all he's doing is hungering to fit in. We all need to have that feeling of belonging. That's what we all crave. It's a human need. Connection. So the flashbacks are something that People who've experienced childhood trauma and any kind of trauma may have flashbacks, don't even really realize what's happening until you ask them, do you ever like relive what happened and you feel like it's happening again and you can see, hear, smell and taste everything that was happening when the event occurred? And it's almost like you're watching a movie, but you can't get out of it. And people will say, yeah, that happens to me all the time. Or it happens when I'm having nightmares and they're so real, I'm reliving it. So these are some of the things that people who have had childhood trauma and any kind of trauma in adulthood too can experience. So, you know, we know about people who have experienced war, the violence of war that, you know, sometimes something may remind them and they may have a flashback. But I don't think a lot of people who have experienced childhood abuse realize that that can happen to them too. And sometimes it happens, something triggers that memory 
and you don't even realize that you're kind of going away, which is dissociation. So another thing you see with Don Draper is that he's very disengaged. He's often spaced out. People who are communicating with him kind of see that he's in his own world. He says things sometimes, they're like, what is he talking about? And they just don't understand. And he doesn't really understand either. So it's not like he can tell anyone. And again, he has so much secrecy and shame. His shadow is totally driving the bus. And he's just basically hanging on to the back, trying not to trying not to fall off. So basically, because of his secrets and his shame and his shadow, he's basically living a double life. His wife has no idea that he has these affairs. They end up getting divorced, and then he gets married to another beautiful woman, but she doesn't get from him the emotional connection she's looking for either, and he's still having these other relationships, and he kind of gets obsessive about these other women. It's like he chooses these women who are very independent and different from the women that he marries, but he's obsessed with what they're doing. He'll demand for them to see him, you know, whenever he wants to, he tries to have all the control in all of his relationships. And he has all this material success. I mean, he's totally rich, but his life feels to him and looks to the people who know him completely out of control. He's very self-destructive. And he has real difficulty with connection. His relationship issues seem to follow along with what's common for many adult survivors of sexual abuse and people who have attachment trauma. Children whose needs weren't met when they were growing up. Emotional needs, safety needs, physical needs like having enough food, safe shelter, In adulthood, they often find it difficult to trust anyone and to connect. They feel isolated and they don't know how to connect with other people. Any of these types of trauma are things that you can recover from. So this isn't a doomsday scenario. This is basically me telling you that if you feel like this and you've had some kind of experiences in childhood where you didn't get what you needed. No one was there for you. No one understood how you felt. You can heal. I won't say it's easy because it's long-term therapy work, but it's easier than suffering with the kind of day-to-day reality that Don Draper is demonstrating and so many other people experience after having been sexually abused, physically abused, or neglected in childhood. So if any of these experiences that I'm talking about sound like you, if you feel the way Don Draper feels as I've described in this episode, or if you've had some of the experiences that Don Draper had that I talk about in this episode, please know that help is available for you. 
find a therapist who has expertise, training, and skill in working with people who have had childhood trauma, someone who understands chronic and complex post-traumatic stress disorder, developmental trauma, also called childhood emotional neglect, family of origin issues. These are some of the ways that therapists may describe their work. And it's indicative of therapists who know how to help survivors of childhood trauma. Some of the methods that therapists use with survivors of childhood trauma, which can be very effective, include what Lisa Ferentz talks about, expressive arts modalities, body-based modalities, also known as somatic resourcing, somatic methods. These are some of the things that therapists would describe in how they help clients who have childhood trauma. Some of the specific therapeutic interventions that therapists use include sensory motor psychotherapy, which is a mindfulness-based method of processing trauma in the body. There's not necessarily any touching between the therapist and the client. It's more about understanding what's happening in your body where we hold our trauma and using the body to process trauma. EMDR or eye movement desensitization reprocessing is another therapeutic method that can be helpful with trauma. Internal family systems or IFS, also known as parts work, can be very helpful in recovering from childhood trauma, especially for someone like Don Draper who has basically two lives or more. He's almost like two different people. Um, and that can be a common experience of dissociation for people who've experienced childhood trauma. I mentioned Bessel van der Kolk before. One of the things he talks about a lot is yoga therapy for trauma. Dance and movement therapy can also be very effective. So I'm going to talk more about trauma and methods for recovering from trauma in some upcoming episodes. I have a whole series on trauma and a series on attachment coming up. Uh, I'm super excited to share all of this with you because I'm extremely passionate about trauma work and particularly the issues faced by people who have childhood trauma and things that were done to them repetitively throughout childhood. So I hope you will tune in for that series and that you found this episode to be interesting and educational. Hopefully I haven't ruined Mad Men for you. I tried to be sure to warn everyone about the spoilers. And I thank you so much for listening to Therapy Chat today. And 
Hope you'll go to iTunes and leave a rating and review and subscribe so you can receive all the latest episodes. Thanks so much. Hey everybody, it's Laura Reagan here. Just wanted to let you know that because of some technical difficulties, my interview with Hillary Jacobs Hendel, the psychologist in New York City I mentioned who consulted on Mad Men and does a lot of other great stuff, that episode won't be coming out next week. So look for that in the future. Thank you for listening to the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, visit Laura's website at www.lauraregan.lcswc.com.